Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to a special audio-only podcast. My name is Katie and I'm joined by Tom Bellingham, the WTF1 founder. Now, firstly, it is testing week or more specifically, shakedown week as the new 2022 cars will be taking to the track in a private three-day test in Barcelona. Now, although this won't be broadcast, WTF1 will have ears on the ground and be bringing you podcasts, articles, videos, and content on our social media platforms about everything that's been going down. Now, although Barcelona Shakedown is very exciting, I have also been nerding out this weekend because the 2022 sporting regulations were dropped. Now, in case you're not familiar with the sporting regs, it's basically the FIA's big rulebook on all things F1. And to talk through some of these big changes, as I mentioned earlier, is Tom Bellingham. Um, Tom, we've got quite a few things to get through today. Um, What are your thoughts on some of the changes that have been made? We won't go into detail on which ones we're going to talk about yet, but do you think they've been made for good reason or reactive rule changes? What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely reactive, but I think overall it's quite positive. And yeah, I'm... I'm glad it's it's pretty much your all your birthdays and Christmases come at once, isn't it? Having uh, sporting regulations to read through, it's definitely your your jam. Uh, but that's great because then you can uh, do what you do best and explain it to us all, and then uh, I can learn from it, and then we can do this podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, um, I am a real nerd when it comes to the sporting regs. I've already copied and pasted all of the, I think it's a 118 page document, put it Jeez. into my own little Google Doc and I go through each line and I annotate it and make, you know, like article ideas or just like learning what's what. It's very sad. I know I need to get another hobby, but <laughs> I might know. buy you like a, a- pretend FAA stewarding suit so you can wear it when you do the sporting regs and like oh my God. pretend yeah. FAA stewarding cosplay if that's the thing <laughs> oh my god that is a terrifying thought okay um let's go into the first one change of subjects please <laughs> so the Q2 tyrol has been scrapped tom bellingham is the happiest man in the world right now because oh. this was a rule that you absolutely despise it's been around since 2014 and i'm sure you guys will know about it it basically meant that all the 10 drivers that made it through to q3 had to start the race on the tire that they used to set the fastest time in Q2 but now on the sporting regulations that whole section has basically had lines drawn through it which will indicate that it's been binned off Tom tell me how elated are you at this news it's probably like your birthday and Christmas come at once just as one bit of change (laughs) I'm a bit nervous now though because if it's terrible I feel like everyone would be like why did you want this rule change (laughs) um I'm obviously glad it's it's been done though um in my opinion uh when you had unusual races it just meant everyone started on the same tire uh and you want teams to start with it you know we saw i know it didn't exactly plan out this way um because of what happened in qualifying where he, he locked up but uh, there was talk obviously that 
uh, Verstappen was going to do Q2 on softs um, because he wanted to start the race on softs, so he'd have a different tie to Hamilton and could attack him at the start because he knew his car was not quick enough to beat him in the race. Why can't that just happen all the time? Like, why why do you have to mess about in Q2? If you want to start on a different tie, you should be able to start on a different tie, and it makes strategy more interesting. My concern is that F1 teams are notoriously boring and uh, data-driven. Uh, so if the computer says, this is the best tie to start on, they will go with it, even if it's chucking it down with rain, and it says, the computer says, start on dries, they'll all start on dries because they don't uh, they do not do anything but look at computers now. Um but yeah, I would. I, I'm hoping this means that we get a bit more of a mix-up, and it also means that the the midfielders that maybe have an incredible uh, qualifying don't just get absolutely shafted. Like, I'm thinking like Gasly when he was in in P2. You know, he's got to start on the softs. It's not the best race tire. He doesn't want to start on it because all the people he's racing against are going to be on mediums or hards. And it just screws them over for essentially doing an amazing job in qualifying. And I don't like it. I'm glad it's gone. Hopefully it opens up more strategies. Yeah, it's definitely something that we've spoken about on the podcast many, many times. So clearly the guys at the FIA have been listening in um, and taking our advice on board. Obviously, next time, if you want more advice, guys, you're going to have to pay for the surface, but, you know, it's fine. You can take that one for free. Um, So, yeah, the Q2 tyre rule is a goner, which is great. Um, Now, the next change, which is definitely a reactive change from Abu Dhabi, is um, there's now a change to the way that the safety car is working when it comes to lapped cars and overtaking. Um, Now... The rule change is that the safety car will return to the pits at the end of the following lap after the message lap cars may overtake is sent by all competitors using the official messaging system by race control. Uh, Now, previously, this only happened once the last lap car had passed the leader. Um, But Tommy, what do you think about these, these safety car changes? Do you think it needed to happen or do you think it's just FIA covering their backs? It's very reactive, isn't it, to a situation that, in my opinion, is a one in a million thing that we had two drivers going into the final lap of the race, uh, a safety car, uh, an option to essentially get the race going. um, And obviously Massey broke the rules and did it completely wrong. um, But you can see why they were in that situation. It was like, oh, we don't want this this to end under safety car because you know it's been this incredible season uh it, it would have been if it had done been done fairly it would have been the most incredible way to end a world title having like this this showdown um but for me this is one of those things i mean i'm glad i'm glad they're covering it so i can't complain too much but it is one of those things where like it, it's probably going to be another 25 years if that before we ever even see a situation like abu dhabi happen again where their level on points and there's a safety car at the end and we really want to go racing. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't obviously cover exactly what Massey did because he bought the safety car in immediately, which was against the walkers rules. Cause normally they obviously have to do an extra lap, but it does mean that as soon as the lapped cars are out the way, they can then do one more round and go rather than the annoying situation where you then have to wait ages for them to join the back of the pack and catch up. 
uh, and then it's another lap. So it's just speeding up that process, which in my opinion uh, is fine because if they've been lapped, you could argue that like, not that they, de- they, you know, they, they deserve to sort of like have a bit of um, uh, punishment, I guess you could argue. Uh, so it's not, so you can't be like too disheartened, but the main thing is you don't want the lap cars in the gap between the leaders. Cause the whole fun point of a safety car is that it bunches the pack up again and makes, uh, gives it another chance to, you know, have some racing for the lead. So yeah, good. Yeah. I think like you say, it's a scenario, which I mean, hopefully we won't see for another 25 years. Craig, if we see it between now and then, like, I don't think I'll be able to I don't know. I'd love cope. to see it, but would you? just oh not just, just done properly this time. Just not go on social media at all after it happens, just for everybody's own sanity. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a good thing. We've seen it so many times with the sporting regs where the FIA have made reactive changes to make sure incidents don't happen again. Um, I mean, look at Spa last year. They've changed the system, the point system there for shorter races. We touched upon it before in a previous podcast last week, um, but basically they've now amended it. So um, for points, for example, there are now three columns of points where if you've competed uh, or completed more than two laps that weren't behind the virtual or the safety car, but less than 25% of the race distance and the top five will get points starting with six points for first and then fifth point, uh, fifth place getting one point. So they've like basically amended the whole point system as a reaction to spa, which is good. It shows that they're, you know, learning lessons, but I just wish that um, the FIA could maybe be a bit more forward thinking in terms of things like this, because as we said last year with Spa, you know, it seems absolutely obscene that Formula One is now, well, 71, 72 years old this year. And we'd never had an event where the rain was so bad, which F1 is an outdoor sporting event that meant that we couldn't actually race. And it just seems crazy that no one has sat down in the FIA office and been like, guys, have we ever thought of what would happen if this scenario did unfold um, and that had been like built into the regulations? But I mean, yeah, I mentioned spa. before, even with, with Spa, like the regulations that even existed weren't followed last year. So yeah, you're spot on with that because uh, we've kind of mentioned it as well with maybe some of like Massey's uh, safety decisions as well, that you kind of want these things dealt with before the situation arises so obviously can't complain that they've put changes in to make sure it's better next time Uh, it's always just a a shame that things have to happen first before they then do it and go oh yeah it is really bad that this has happened let's change it rather than going this like you say this could happen uh because yeah it's not (laughs) it's not out the question uh that a race could be rained off um especially given current current climate and stuff so yeah it's it's a shame that it takes quite a poor event to happen for them to be changes but at least it looks like they're sorting things out which is good yes exactly and hopefully with a new FIA president and a bit of a reshuffle in the F1 management uh, hierarchy these things will um, have been a bit more sorted and put in place um one rule which 
it's on paper, it might not seem like a big deal, but the reality of it is that it's slowly creeping up. And that is that the maximum number of events in the championship, so races, has gone from 23 and is now at 24. Now, obviously, 23 races is the amount of races we have in 2022. It's a record-breaking number, as F1 love to tell us. Um, whether that's too many, I will leave that up to you to make the decision. Um, but yeah, an additional race has now been added on. Now that could be to make way for China because obviously we haven't got that on the calendar this year and there's already 23 races there and F1 have signed a contract to ensure we're going to be racing in China for a long time, but it's coming back onto the calendar from next year. So we won't see it at all in 2022. So that might be a case to cover their backs. But for and me, Qatar. <laughs> and Qatar, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. And with all of these, um, all of these locations like France, I don't think has got a contract that I think the contract for France either expires at the end of this year or maybe it's next year. Um, but yeah, there are plenty of places which could be in trouble um, because they haven't got contracts signed, sealed and delivered at the moment. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on the number of races being raised to 24 do you think that's just going to be a little thing that they add in year on year on year yeah not not much more to add other than 1000 percent that the sporting regulations will come out next year and that will be 25 and then the next year it'd be 26 and then the next year it'd be 27 etc etc oh my god Paul McCann. yeah <laughs> i exactly yeah we I love mean, f1 it's... we want to see it as much as possible and you know I love having a lot of races. Um, absolutely no doubt. I want F1 on as much as possible as a fan, but you do have to feel for the the poor <laughs> teams and mechanics that that work those those races like all the time. And you know, NASCAR do forty races a season, but it's in one country. Uh, some of the triple headers, um, you know, where you're going. I can't can't think. I need the calendar in front of me, but uh, just from uh, past examples where you know you're going from Canada to Azerbaijan and then back to like Brazil or something it's like it just makes no sense and is it must be so exhausting for the people that um that are working in the sport yeah I miss the days of like I feel between 16 to 18 races was probably just about right um, and then but double race month- weekends that's all we need then you can have more racing you don't have to um take its toll on more people but i know that's an unpopular opinion because traditions we want to be exactly (laughs) the same as always (laughs) (laughs) we'll see um what f1 do do in the future um whether that's having some sort of way of introducing two people for one job and they can alternate i know people that work at mercedes um, guaranteed it's in their comms department but to give Mercedes credit they have quite a sensible solution where say there's three people working on their social media they'll each take it in turns they won't do every single race weekend they'll do one will do Bahrain then another will do Saudi and then another will do whatever's after Saudi yeah well, well, the cost cutting like surely defies the whole point if teams then have to employ loads more people because it's going to get to the point where and i think this is already the case but you know you're going to have to essentially like 
double your staff and then work in like uh you do this race and then you do this race um and like almost work on like a, a rotor between two groups of staff which is uh slightly mad it is well hopefully f1 will not just basically take the mickey and do a million races a year for yeah like you say the sake of everyone who works in the sport um another big rule change which is brand new for 2022 is f1's essentially show and tell obviously f1 have given it a bit of a better name than that they've called it an automobile display which sounds very fancy um but in short it means that the teams are not going to be able to hide any kind of big aero upgrades they bring or anything like that um so the way that this system will work is that on the friday so the day before we have any kind of on-track action all the teams have to submit a document to the fia and their technical delegate basically saying these are all the snazzy new upgrades we're bringing um and then on friday 90 minutes before we have fp1 all the teams will have to wheel their cars out both cars Um, and basically just have them available for everyone to come and have a gander, have a look at. And um, yeah, they can stay, the cars can stay outside the garage for up to an hour. Um, And the cars need to be basically fitted with all the parts they're going to be using when the car leaves for FP1. Um, And then once you've seen all the bits and bobs on the car, then they can go back in and get ready for FP1. And then on Saturday... 30 minutes after qualifying is done, one car from five different teams must be available for a post-qualifying automobile display. Uh, And the teams that are picked for this will be specified by the race director and the FIA's technical delegate. And then once again, each car has to be displayed as per the request of the race director. And the teams have to make sure that there's a representative at the scene for at least 10 minutes to talk to the media, whether they have some sort of sporting role or a senior technical position. Basically, they can't be sending the janitor out to be trying to <laughs> explain what's going on. They've got to they've got to know what they're talking about. But F1 mm. have done it basically to try and make it a bit more transparent with all of the technical rules and regs and stuff that have changed. And um, I guess trying to help maybe fans understand the technical side a know. bit more. Do you not know how I feel about this? Um, even as someone that uh, controversially would probably not even mind too much if F1 if it was for the purpose of better racing, um, I'd like that there's more standard parts and stuff. And I've never been too wowed by the the technical side. Like I, I do like it and and some uh, bits of it is interesting to me, but I'm a racing guy at the end of the day and I just want better racing. Um, but there is part of me that sees this and I'm like, is this Formula One that like, you know, Adrian Newey has to, uh, this is a really extreme example, but has to stand in front of his car and go, so Mercedes, this is how I do this. This is how, like, is that Formula One? I don't know. So like part of me, this is a bit of a fence-sitting opinion, so I apologize in advance. Um, But part of me is like, I, I like the fact that, yeah, maybe, maybe it's better for the racing that everyone gets to see everything and, it's kind of funny anyway that all these teams, you know, we've seen it in 
car launching and testing anyway haven't we that people are photoshopping their car and like Hass have just released pictures of their cars today and it looks completely different to the renders like not even remotely the same car like it's so different um it might as well be a different series like it's just completely <laughs> different um so they try and hide all this stuff anyway um but all the teams know like all all the teams employ photographers to spy on everyone anyway but part of me thinks maybe like the drama of it all is quite fun in a way and you know you, even though it's absolutely ridiculous like you know i love the this it's kind of amusing that you know teams are trying to hide bits and you've got you know sebastian vettel inspector seb in park mm-hmm. Ferme, like sticking his his like head in the cockpit to have a look and try and learn more and stuff i don't know that's kind of like maybe a little bit of the drama f1 lost maybe because uh yeah it's um be a shame uh to just essentially have a hero i don't won't be here are all our secrets because teams will have to know but like Say like Das, would that have been as cool and crazy if Mercedes then had to present it in the pit lane and all the teams were just able to like look at it? I don't think it is personally. Yeah, one thing I do love about F1 is like the technical innovation and how well you use Adrian Newey, he's like the perfect example, is he always comes up with these incredible designs and he's really revolutionary in what he produces for Red Bull. Um and to me, it's so interesting that one person or a team of people can come up with one thing and then another team further down the, in the garages will come up with something completely different. Like there's obviously more than one way to achieve certain goals and KPIs that they have for the for the car. But um, yeah, by having them sort of naked out in front of everyone to see, like there's nothing to hide. It's um, essentially naked attraction for the f1 team <laughs> and there's like Anyone nowhere... if that if that show is not on in the in the in the country of the people that are watching google it now and you will be appreciated <laughs> yeah as a yeah heads up maybe don't google naked attraction if you're in a public space or anything yeah, yeah. like that make sure you're home on your wi-fi um but yeah it's uh it's going to mean that there's nowhere for them to hide. But perhaps by doing that, it's going to mean that people will get inspiration from other cars and we'll actually see a, a field of cars that are, are more close together because they're all kind of nicking each other's ideas and creating these almost like hybrid cars of, oh, well, the front wing on that Mercedes seems to be really good. So we're going to take a bit of inspiration from that. And then we like the, I don't know, um, rear wing on the Ferrari so we're going to take a bit of that so I don't know but it does seem quite um, an exposing thing to do but maybe F1 are trying to build the hype around the technical side with these new regs and everything I don't know but um, it would have been funny in the racing point Mercedes era that someone from racing point would have to be like yeah so uh, we just copied the Mercedes uh. (laughs) (laughs) it's it's very true Um, so yeah, I'm I'm going to be interested to see how it, it all goes down in Bahrain. Um, and I'm also intrigued because I am sure it's going to happen that one team will present the FIA with this document, say, you know, we've changed A, B and C. And then another team will come along and go, 
well, they haven't claimed that they've changed this, but I can see it's different or I've got a feeling something's different and they'll be found to have broken the rules. I want to know what the penalty is going to be for that because you just know it's going to happen. One team on the grid is going to think, we'll be able to get away with that. Nobody will notice and someone will and there'll be SHIT will hit the fan. I'm I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Yeah, after saying there's not, there's not going to be more drama. Maybe that. Maybe all the drama will come from that. Like you say, it just we'll just have more teams complaining about each other's cars. Maybe we'll have to wait and see. Maybe Rossborn is hoping for a bit more of a technical war for drive to survive audience. That kind of thing. Who when knows? Does... Obviously, he's a technical man himself. So, <laughs> when do the sporting reg- regulations just they just give it to Netflix and get them to do it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> just give it to me I mean I'm happy to take on the responsibility but yeah I know what you mean just try and make everything as drama orientated as possible um now something as well that lots of people have thought is quite controversial and um been done as a result of uh certain somebody being on two reprimands and possibly should have got a third in Abu Dhabi um that's referring to Lewis Hamilton, by the way. Uh, the number of reprimands in a season has increased from three to five. Um, reprimands are basically like a bit of a smack on the back of the wrists for drivers if they've done things that aren't worthy of a slam dunk, five second, 10 second penalty, but they're things that have been noted by the FIA and the stewards of saying that was naughty. You've disobeyed a strict rule or something that the race director has asked of you. Um, and you're going to get told off for it. There's also driving reprimands. So for example, let's use Lando Norris, for example, when he didn't manage to make it into the pit lane in Sochi last year after not changing for the right tires and that whole palaver that happened. He got a reprimand for that. Kimi did the same thing in Mexico, um, like a few races later. Um, and there's also non-driving reprimands, which, a plenty of drivers got last year in Hungary because they didn't take their We Race As One t-shirts off in time for the national anthem. And so they were also um, told off for that. Um, But Tommy, moving the reprimands up from three to five, surely that to me, that just makes it seem more lenient for drivers being allowed to be making mistakes and not getting punished for it. I'm glad you said what you said at the start because I read this and my first reaction was, yeah, tell me you uh, thought Hamilton should have (laughs) got it without. Like Hamilton, uh, in my opinion, was extremely lucky. That was a reprimand all day long, but it was clear. And, you know, the same can be said for Max before everyone jumps jumps on it. Same can be said for every other driver. Um, you know, Max was lucky not to have three reprimands as well. Hamilton was lucky not to have three reprimands in a season. Um, but clearly, you know, they didn't want to give Hamilton a 10-place penalty and ruin the spectacle of Abu Dhabi and having them on the front row together and Max uh, Max versus Lewis finale. But that was a reprimand all day long. But then, you, then it's like, well, is that fair that kind of a incident in FP2 can decide it? But that's the whole point of you putting them in place like it's kind of tough that um that is the rule um and it just kind of it it kind of makes it kind of covers their back a bit more so you don't get a situation it's same with penalty points right i i don't think they will ever 
will ever see anyone banned from penalty points, uh, in my opinion. They will skirt around it. Um, it's it just a way huge, to... Like massive bad PR yeah. for F1, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, take Hamilton, like, you know, biggest driver the sport has ever seen um, and most successful. Uh, if he's on 11 penalty points, there's no way he's getting a race ban for crossing the white line in FB2 <laughs> for getting an extra penalty point. It's not going to happen. It's just simply not going to happen. And this is another way of the same with the, with the grid drops, you know, does Sebastian Vettel deserve a grid drop because uh, in you know he didn't wear a, the right T-shirt for three races? No. So it's just a bit of a silly rule in my opinion, but and it just covers them more to basically say, don't don't do naughty things, but we don't want to punish you too much, but we're going to tell you that it's naughty, so don't do it. Yeah. That, that's, that's my sort of take on it because they just don't want they don't want the the fan backlash of same with penalty points, but say reprimand a ten place penalty. Vettel gets a ten place penalty, um, and yeah, like a third of him getting a ten place penalty is wearing the wrong t shirt. It's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is crazy. Um, I don't think they should um, have made it five. I think three is more than enough. Um, and maybe just the idea of reprimands should be binned off altogether. And just if you break the rules and you get a penalty, whether that's five place or something like that, rather than having them wrapped up, because surely if you do something wrong, you do something wrong. But um, I don't know if that's an opinion. It can be a bit opinion. confusing as well, yeah, because when's it a reprimand? When's it a penalty point? You know, what? what's the difference there? So. Yeah, when's yeah, it a fine? A when's it this? It's it's um I'd like to see a full list of what the FIA would consider to be a reprimand. Um but we have seen it in the past where a driver has been given a 10 place grid penalty because they've reached their three reprimands. And that was Mark Webber when he he tipped it over the edge when he gave Fernando Alonso a lift back to the Singapore oh, Grand yeah. Prix pit lane. Oh, no, Alonso, sorry. Alonso gave Mark Webber a lift back. If yeah. you haven't seen the picture, Google now um, 2013 Singapore Grand Prix, Webber, Alonso, whatever it is. Basically, Mark Webber fully is sat on the side of the car. Obviously, we've seen it before in Formula One. It is quite a um, not common occurrence, but before iconic. safety got so <laughs> yeah, intense. Yeah, the, the iconic center of Mansell one, isn't it? Silverstone, yeah. a lot of people see. Um, but I mean, fair play. I would really, you know, have not been happy at all. I think it's worth more than a reprimand of what the, these two did. Um, but yeah, Mark Webber then got a 10 place grid drop for the 2013 Korean Grand Prix. Um, and he, so he did walk across done. the track quite dangerously. Uh, I can't so. believe that was a rep, just one rep, reprimand. He did walk across the, the track. Yeah. Quite dangerously. But then obviously because he then got a penalty, <laughs> He sort of like it, it was kind of twisted to be like, oh, this is ridiculous. You're, you're sort of um, uh, sort of robbing us of nice sporting moments like that uh, when in real realistically it probably was worth <laughs> reprimand. <laughs> well, definitely worth a reprimand uh, for him crossing the track, not the fact that he was sat on the side and got a lift back to the pits. But I mean, even then you could argue that like, it's one or the other. You can't complain about safety and then let someone just 
hang on the side of a Formula One car. <laughs> it is absolutely Even if crazy. it's going at very low speed, but I mean, low speed in a Formula One car is still like 80 miles an hour. And it's like, would you hang out your car on a motorway? Probably not. <laughs> well, no, uh, no, definitely not, I should say. Yeah, I was going to say probably don't, don't, not. Don't oh do my that. God. Tommy is living his we life. We are not liable for anyone <laughs> hanging out yeah. the car. The Have way. you been injured as a result of a suggestion on the WTF1 podcast? Um, so yeah, reprimands increasing from three to five. And a reminder that four of those reprimands do need to be driving related offences um, in order for you to get the 10 post grid drop. But whether that will happen or not, who knows another change um which is one i'm personally really looking forward to is another one (laughs) we're going to be seeing (laughs) some more rookie drivers in fp1 which i think is a really good thing for the sport so the new regulations article 32.5 state that on one occasion each car entered into the championship so that's both cars in a team um will need to have a driver or use a driver who has not participated in more than two championship races in their career. And this driver may only participate in FP1. So for example, Williams could put somebody like Jack Aitken in their car on a, on a Friday FP1, or um, perhaps somebody like, if we're sticking with Williams, Logan Sargent, or hopefully somebody like Jamie Chadwick. Um, they <laughs> Just do need everyone to have... Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they've got so many juniors in they their programme yeah. that they Winasani, can, everyone, yeah, they yeah, can afford to <laughs> let a few people through. Um, but yeah, they have to also be in possession of a Friday super licence. Um, so they can't just be popping Gary from accounting in the car. They've got to have a super licence. That would be good um, It would be very entertaining, but I would worry a bit for Gary's safety if he was to go in the car. That would but, that would clear up once and for all the. Uh, although you could argue that this might happen anyway. That you know the whole everyone oh it's just the car, uh, the car does everything blah, blah blah. One thing that I think is really interesting about this rule is we're going to see. Obviously, you can't take FP one times as gospel, um, because there's a lot of involved fuel loads, different tires, blah blah blah. But one thing that is going to be extremely interesting is seeing the top teams do this. You know, it's not just Williams and Haas that are going to be 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th anyway in in the session. You're going to see someone in a Mercedes and it's going to be right. Okay. You know, can you pop it like P2, Frederick Vesti faster than those Hamilton confirmed. (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. Like, imagine like people go in and then there's going to be so many you know if if a if a driver goes into a top team like your your stock as a young driver even though you know you could just do a low fuel glory run you know it'd be massive um for a young driver to step in and beat lewis hamilton in fp1 in a, in the same car even though you can't compare because there's so many different things but you know that that could happen it's going to it's going to be quite interesting i'm looking forward to i'm actually looking forward to that quite a lot because it's the top teams no offense to the lower teams like it's seeing new people in the better cars not just the ones at the back that like you say are gonna just be there or thereabouts anyway yeah and it is um, a proper mandatory rule they must do it must have a driver in each of the cars over the course of the season so there will be a point where we don't see max verstappen in fp1 or Lewis Hamilton in FP1 because of somebody else in their cars. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. 
I'm very much down for seeing more young talent get opportunities within Formula One, even if it is just a, a cheeky little FP1 session, I think. Well, they say that not? it says one occasion. On one occasion, each car entered. Oh, each car, yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry, yeah. So Don't every driver will happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, each so car, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. So it is every... Yeah, it's not each team, it's each car. So yeah, we will... Yeah, we will see someone in Lewis's car, someone in Max's car. Exciting. It's going to be really cool. I'll um, I'll have to see I if I can get myself a super license. <laughs> oh, my God. Try and get myself a Friday super license before the end of the season so I can get a chance to drive. For now, that's a WTF1 video right there. Yeah, I mean, it's bound to happen. I'm such a gifted racing yeah, driver yeah. anyway that, you know, I'm surprised I haven't been offered a permanent seat already. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much the big changes that have been uh, noted in the 2020 sporting regs. Of course, F1 and FIA can update the sporting regulations at any time. So it could well be that we see some changes um, throughout the season. But at the moment, this is kind of like the first initial plan of any kind of big changes that we're going to see for the season. Um, Tommy, out of the ones we've spoken about, which one are you most looking forward to seeing? Can you guess? <laughs> is it the Q2 Tyrell? <laughs> yes, it is. Closely <laughs> followed by rookie drivers in FP1. Lovely. I am. What about you? I'm really intrigued to see how the show and tell format or automobile display is going to go down. I wonder if they'll put it on social, like they'll, yeah. there'll be a, a camera on it, YouTube video, live live watch yeah. along of show and <laughs> oh. tell <laughs> yeah so that could be interesting and yeah rookie drivers and fp1 is going to be awesome um so yeah thanks very much for your time tommy i will be speaking to you soon because as we said it's barcelona shakedown week this week so although we're not necessarily in barcelona unfortunately because the weather looks really nice at the moment and it's rubbish weather here in the uk um we will have people there feeding us back information of what's going on and we'll be bringing you all the latest news and updates on WTF1 over the next few days. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And make right, sure you well, rate us on Spotify because... Oh, yes, please do. Rate us on every podcast app imaginable. Uh, not just Spotify, yeah, every every single one. Yeah, and if you don't, we'll track you down and we'll find you. So there we go. <laughs> We won't final final threat from <laughs> yeah Liam Neeson taken style. I will find you and I will make you rate us on a Spotify or Apple <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for for listening, guys, and we'll see you for a podcast very very soon. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> bye bye.